Is there anyone from Benalla here tonight? Oh, good, because I preached this message uh, back in November. But I've actually put a twist on it, um, more so uh, from what God uh, is putting on my heart and we're in leading uh, this message. So if you could take your Bibles and turn to uh, Romans chapter 9, and we're looking at verses 1 through to 4. Recently we've just had um, Australia Day. And it was interesting on Australia Day how we celebrate as a nation uh, how good this country is. But we've got to understand too that uh, it was built upon a lot of biblical foundations too. Um, and we thank God for men like um, uh, that, that brought out, England brought out pastors and, and preachers and teachers of God's word. And so we have that biblical base and foundation. Sadly, it's being eroded uh, through uh, our government departments and systems and things that are uh, actually not uh, actually are anti-God and anti-Bible, but we still have that foundation and base. So let's uh, read Romans 9, 1 through to 4, and we're looking at what Paul is preaching regarding his fellow countrymen. And it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren my kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises I don't know any Christian who has been born again from the spirit of God who does not want to see members of his family, a close circle of friends or work colleagues come to a saving, heartfelt knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see in verse 2 that he has a great heaviness and continual sorrow in his heart. Aren't we as Christians supposed to be joyous? Aren't we supposed to be exceedingly joyful? You know what? Yes, we are. But we don't want to see our loved ones pass out into eternity lost because they didn't choose Christ. It's only natural that when Paul goes on to say how he wished he was separated from Christ for his family and friends' sake, that his fellow countrymen are saved as well. And Jesus especially wanted this as well. So we're going to look at tonight, we're going to examine the why, where, who and when of what of prayer when we do pray. But we're going to give you a foundation first as to all these things that happened. So I'm going to share with you that my, my dad's testimony, my testimony, which links into that. But more importantly, um, how we are to pray and what we are to do with it. So let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths and the promises that are in it. We pray for the message tonight that it reaches people, whether here over the Internet, that people uh, see their need of a saviour see their need of that continuation, that relationship with Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, that you give us divine appointments, that we continue in your word, that we're just not hearers, but we are doers as well. That you, God, has given us the greatest gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we continue to follow him. We don't balk or doubt his leading. We don't uh, get upset when we are chastised for doing the wrong thing, but we continue to look to him and his ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So 
as I said, I talked about my uh, dad being led to the Lord uh, before he passed away. But more importantly, if we look at anyone who is led to the Lord, I'll guarantee you here, every person that's been born again, that there's someone who has prayed for them prior to them being saved. It's interesting, if you look at Paul and what Paul did, Paul crit criticized and pounded the church. He hammered them. But I'll guarantee you there was someone who would have been beaten, who would have been hit by Paul, or would have been pulled out of their own home that, po that Paul was prayed for. Okay, And it's the same with us. We too are also to pray for not just ourselves. We are to pray for others. You see, if we look at prayer, it's Jesus first others than yourself and that is how we are to pray and we continually think of these things before I was even born uh, just to give you a little background uh, my eldest brother was 16 years older than me he's not with us anymore he's with the Lord I have a brother who's 14 years older than me he's saved I had another brother who was 11 years older than me I'm not sure if he was saved but here's the thing I wasn't a mistake, even though sometimes my brothers like to tell me that I was. So there was a difference of that 11 years. But what you have to understand is that through God allowed things to happen uh, in my mum and dad's life, in my life, that has brought me here. So every single person that's saved is a walking, talking miracle. Because our natural man doesn't want to know anything about God or the things of God. It's only when the Holy Spirit convicts and we choose to, to follow Christ. So it was interesting. when I, as, as I said, when I saw my dad pass away, I thought, well, what's going to happen to me? Where am I going to spend eternity? So I said I had a, a head knowledge of Christ, but not a heart knowledge. And even though my mother taught me how to read a Bible and, and pray before I was actually could actually read, there was other things happening in my life that brought me into God. So... I had uh, friends, my mum was actually going to an open brethren church, so I had people praying for me before I was even born. So what's sad is, is that one day they'll get to see the eventual happenings and events that led not only to me to being in Christ, but it was their prayers and it was their uh, continual prayer for me that you see me standing here today. So if we look at... Uh, everyone's testimony you'll, you'll also find that there is uh, a, that we have to also be responsive to the gospel so we are going to look at tonight we're going to look at why do we pray where do we pray when do we pray and what do we pray for and so the great hymn that that god talks about is that god leads his dear children along some through the fire some through the flood but there's only one way to christ but it's always through the blood you see the bible is about a message of hope it's just not a story about history a nation or a personal love it is a personal love letter written to you and it binds everything through this deep personal loving caring relationship with jesus christ all too often we as christians get hung up on others when god continually keeps calling us into a personal relationship with him we can easily be distracted. We can see why things happen around us. We see it in the world today with so many things going on that we are truly living in the last days because what's happening is we're starting to see events happen around us. But we also be mindful of looking to Jesus Christ 
A great heaviness of heart. Matthew 23, 37 reads, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And this is Jesus Christ talking. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. It was God's will that his chosen people be saved, but they as a people and nation have rejected him. God has not replaced his people, Israel, with the church. He has not cast them away. But there was that still great heaviness of heart that Jesus Christ himself had. And you think about this, when Jesus Christ was on the cross, this is what they were saying to him. This is the multitude. Now remember, seven days before, sorry, uh, on the Palm Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. These very same people turned around and said this. He saved others. Him himself, he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Luke 23, 34-39 says the same thing. You see, salvation is... Faith alone in Christ alone, there's nothing you can do to add to your own salvation. We see the message of salvation is that we are saved by grace through faith. And if you look at the way Jesus Christ witnessed to someone, he started with the natural, then moved to the spiritual. We take your, uh, if you can take your Bibles and turn to John's Gospel, chapter 4. Verse 3 to 17. And it reads He left Judea and departed unto Galilee, and he, and he must needs go through Samaria. So there was a planned event that where he was going through into Samaria, and he came unto the came he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, if that's mentioned, it means it's important. Okay. Now, Jacob's well was there. So this is where he meets the woman at the well. Verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy food or buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? If you understand customs of, of the Jews, they didn't have anything to do with the Samarians. Verse 10, Jesus answered, said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence this, whence then hast thou that living water? Gone from the physical to the spiritual. Art thou greater than thy father Jacob, which gave us well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, 
whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. He said, but, whoever shall, but whosoever shall drinketh the water that I shall give him, he shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be a, him, in him a well of water springing unto everlasting life. So you see that Jesus Christ comes in the form of supplying thirst. Man tries to take things and, and, and he wants to ignore God, satisfy himself. But God says, those things do not satisfy. I satisfy. You see, man's objection to God, the scriptures and eternity says... People say, show me the evidence that God exists. And I'm switching this up a bit, and you're going to see why that people don't want to know God. Because ultimately, they have to give an account to God. We heard this morning with uh, our stewardship, we have to give an account to God. For the invisible things in Romans 1, 20 to 22 says, For the invisible things of him in creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are clearly made. 21, because that when they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. We see today that scriptures scoffers say the Bible was written by man. The very same people that scoff at our Bible also believe the evolution, but who wrote their textbooks? The problem is, is that evolution is based around fabricated evidence. God's word is 100% in its accuracy and its prophecy. And you're going to see why this is why prayer is so important when we look at God's word and what he has to say about it. So, this is where it changes. Why do we pray? Number one, it builds our relationship with Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles now and turn to Ephesians 3. And we're going to look at Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. It's not merely just accepting Christ and making a decision for Him, but more so that we continue in His ways. It says... Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul here is saying that no matter what's happened to him, he continues to pray. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Point two, why do we pray? It helps us overcome temptation. When you become born again, you still have that old nature. And I never understood it until I read Romans 7. And Romans 7 talks about that continual war. And by the way, that war is going to continue until you die. But you have to be mindful that your heart can lead you away from God. It can make decisions based around emotion. Okay? Sometimes the, the, the three biggest 
choices that we make in life are, number one, buying a car. Do you buy a car based on its color, on its specs? Do you buy a car because it looks good? Do you buy a car because of what other people have said? But it's an emotional decision. Buying a house. Where do you buy a house? Do you buy it because of the price? Where it is? Is it, are you emotionally attached to it? And number three, the other biggest decision that we make, other than accepting Christ as Saviour, is who we wish to marry. And the Bible is very specific about who we are to marry as well. That we, are very, we have to be very, very careful of who we are around. But that temptation can come through our heart that we want something certain in our lives and God says, no, I don't want you to have it. You see, the one thing I've learned about prayer is prayer is based around the fact that we go to God with our petitions, but God is not, when we go to prayer with God, it is not based like a poker machine. We don't put your prayer in and pull the handle and want something back. Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says wait. But the own human heart wants something so bad. And if you go back and you look at Genesis 3, you see how it all started. Number three, why do we pray? It helps to determine God's will in our life. If you are in prayer with God and you're walking with God, you will see his will. I don't know about you, I've been passed up for jobs, I've been put down, I've been run around, I've had so many things happen. And I say to God, why is this happening? You see, we've got to understand that we are God's. We're not our own. We're purchased. We're purchased with a price. And we need to be seeking His will always. And sometimes we don't want to we don't want to accept the umpire's decision, so to speak, but it's more so it's God's will in our life. Where does He want you? Who does He want you hanging around? What does He want you listening to? Prayer accomplishes God's will. We're going to later on, we're going to pray for people. We're going to give two minutes at the end. We're going to pray for someone that God is going to put on your heart. Prayer accomplishes God's will. Next, it's a weapon of spiritual warfare. For we do not fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against the principalities and powers of the air. We see this happening right now. Satan knows his time's short and it's getting heavy. It's getting real heavy. And it's going to get worse. That's why we pray for our children, our grandchildren. What sort of world, what sort of Australia are they going to be growing up in? Next, why we pray is it's a prerequisite for spiritual awakening. Lord, show me your way, show me your truth, show me what you'd have me do. And the last point on why do we pray is prayer is valuable to God. That's why we have prayer meetings on Wednesday. That's why we pray wherever you can. So where do we pray? Turn to Matthew 6.6. 6. Pastor pointed about this this morning. I think it was later though in Matthew. Chapter 6 verse 6. So where do we pray? 
You've got to remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees would openly pray in the marketplace to let people see that what they're doing is being righteous. But the thing is this, God sees right through that, he sees right through into your heart, and he sees who you really are. Matthew 6 says, 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, a private place, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. I've often wondered why when Christians get persecuted, how others not see that these Christians that get persecuted, for whatever happens to them, they're still happy. They're still content with what God gives them and what God does. We had to pray at the dinner table. We had to pray at prayer meetings. We had to pray in public. We had to pray in private. We had to pray with family. Prayer is something that we go to with God for praise. We praise God in our prayers. We thank God for what we have. Have you ever thanked God for what you don't have? Think on that. Pray to God to think that you don't have cancer. That you don't have motor neurone disease. And what happens if you do get it? Can you praise God and pray in the bad times? God openly rewards those who pray. When are we to pray? It says in the Bible we are to pray non-stop. We pray when facing temptation. Why? Because that's when you are at your weakest. Satan is going to come at you a hundred mile an hour and you want to be ready and you want to be prepared. I'm guarantee it's going to happen to you this week. We're going to walk out of here. We're going to go to our jobs. We're going to go home. We're going to mix with people and you don't know you're going to get blindsided. So you want to be prepared for when that happens. Because I'll guarantee you now, if you put your hand up and say you're a Christian and someone blindsides you and you react, you have to have God's patience upon you and allow you to react the way he'd want you to react. We had to pray for the good times. We had to pray in bad times. We've recently seen what's happened to Australia with our bushfires. The public in general point fingers and we look to our leaders to help us. But sadly, that's not going to help. And the public will turn around and say, well, why did God allow these fires to happen? And when I think of that, I actually think back to a point when in 2001, when the World Trade Center fell, the bombings fell through those planes. And one would say, well, why did God allow that to happen? And when you really think about it, why doesn't God wipe everyone off the face of the earth? We're all sinners. And tonight we listened, I listened, it was interesting, listening to the hymns we sung was about grace, God's grace. 
The mere fact that you're here, the mere fact that you have a heartbeat, that you have breath in your mouth is because of God. The mere fact that we can have the liberties that we have in this country is because of God. We pray before something happens. It could be for a child that is not yet born. It could be upcoming things. So, for example, we've got uh, uh, a baptism coming up. We pray for that. One thing when I was praying today was, and this is really strange, is that, and it's come around so quick, February, March, April, May. We are four months away from another church anniversary. And we thank God for this church. We thank God for godly people in this church. We thank God when we pray for a post-event, something that's happened afterwards. So that's when we pray. Now, number four, who do we pray? So who do we pray to? We pray to the Father. We pray to the Son. We pray to the Holy Spirit. Let's turn to 1 John 1 9 and you'll see the reason as to why we do this. This is personal now. This is where it starts to. We pray because we're sinners. Whether people want to believe that or not, that's fine. But you're going to see here why we pray as to who we pray to. It says, and it's a very famous one. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If you're spiritually switched on, the minute you sin, you pray and ask the Lord, please forgive me. Because David himself saw it that when he sinned, he yes, he did sin against Bathsheba and her husband. He sinned against his people, but he said, I have sinned against you, O Lord. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Isaiah 53, 12. Uh, Brother John mentioned this this morning in Isaiah 53. The verse that is more or less a capstone to Jesus Christ. And it's found in verse 12. And it says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. Talking about Jesus Christ. And he was numbered with transgressors, and he bared the sin of many, and made, listen to this, intercession for the transgressors. Who's a transgressor? Me and you. What do we pray for? The hardest thing, I don't know about you, the hardest thing I have ever had to pray for was someone that hated me. And you know why? Because I had been hurt so much by what they said and what they did. Now this was done publicly. This wasn't just done in front of me and them. It was done publicly. I didn't lose my cool. 
I didn't get upset. I just said, Lord, give me the words to say. And what I said to this person was, and I won't mention their name, I am not your enemy. I am not your enemy. What that did was diffuse. And by the way, this came about because of something of a, I was running a scripture and Bible study class at school. See, I knew who the enemy was and I knew the, the enemy, what he was doing through that person. And when you recognize that, you can understand that as to who the real enemy is. Because remember what I said, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers of the air. To pray for an enemy. What did Stephen pray for before he died? That's right, he prayed for his enemies. So who else do we pray for? Number one on my list is we pray for family. Your immediate family. We pray for a wife, a husband, our children, our grandchildren. We pray that they may know the Lord. I've been so blessed to grow up in a house where I witnessed and saw my mum pray morning and night. She's been doing that for 76 years. She's been doing it for me for 51 years. I'm 50. So she was praying before I was born. And so you see, some of the fruit of it is here now. So God uses people and does things whereby family are of utmost importance. Another group we pray for are friends. Those that are saved and not saved, it doesn't matter. We pray for those who are close to us. 1 thing I don't think a lot of people pick up and I think we should pray for more of is our brothers and sisters in the Lord throughout the world. We have it pretty good in this country. We don't get dragged out of a house and beheaded publicly because we've shown faith in Jesus Christ or we publicly declared that we are his. That happens in a lot of the world. And it comes back to that enemies thing. I recently come back from Thailand with Alicia, my wife, and I'd go for walks of the morning and I'd see all these people, people from other nations, the Thai people themselves. They're very happy people, very content. But the one thing we must grasp is that Jesus Christ died for them too. We don't pick and choose who God dies for because he died for all. And that's getting back to God's will that none shall perish but all may come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
We pray for leaders in this country. We pray for leadership, whether at local, state, federal governments. We pray for leadership there. We pray for those who have nothing. We pray for those who need the Lord. And it's very, very easy to get wrapped up in our own world. But please always be mindful of praying for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. I haven't checked it out yet, but it said that Jesus Christ said, people shall know that you are my followers by praying for those who you love, but also for those you don't love. And as I said, it's real hard when you've been slighted, when someone said something nasty about you or done something about you, the first reaction is either lash out or retaliate. But if you have the mind that is in Christ and the Spirit of God, what did God do? There's only one time that he lashed out and it wasn't it was in righteous anger but it was in the money with the money changers in his in his father's house. He said how dare you take my father's house and turn it into this? How dare you? The one thing that we have to understand is Jesus Christ, God the Father and the Holy Spirit are righteous, we are not. We are only given imputed righteousness. Man cannot earn that righteousness for he has sinned himself. The only hope that we have when we go to prayer that we pray for others that they may see their need of a saviour. That Jesus Christ paid a debt that he didn't owe but the bill was given to them. But Jesus Christ had paid the debt. We see Satan, the accuser, come to God and say, Did you see that sin that John Stead just committed? God says, Yes, I did. And Satan says, Well, then impute it to him. And God says, I will not. Satan says, Why? God says it's already been imputed. It has been placed on the record of my son and I will not impute sin to those who are in Christ. Let's finish with I'm going to give two minutes where we will pray for someone. God has put someone on your heart. I pray tonight. It could be for yourself. It could be for a loved one. It could be for an enemy. But we're going to take two minutes tonight to pray to the Lord about someone that God has put upon your heart. If you're not saved, you can get saved right where you sit, right now. You could pray for a close relative, a friend, a neighbour, a work colleague, a husband or wife, a mum or dad, 
they may repent and let Jesus Christ save them. We can ask for divine appointments to give us the scriptures and the words to say. We pray now, and at the end of it I'll pray and finish with 2 Timothy 1.12. So let's take a time of prayer and pray now and go to the Lord for someone that needs salvation. Before I finish, I said I was finished off with 2 Tim 1.12. It reads, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless, I am, for I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God loves to hear your prayers. He loves to know what's going on. He knows what's going on, but he wants for you to personally be with him. Just remember, saints, we don't... We don't give in, we don't give up. No matter how bad things may look, that we continue to look to Christ, we look to Him, and we pray for our enemies. Because when we pray for our enemies, it proves that we see what's ahead. And it's very hard, as I said, sometimes to pray for people you don't like. But didn't Jesus Christ do that? Didn't Jesus Christ die for everyone? 